0: You're listening to the Third Cup of Coffee podcast. Good day, podcast listeners. Randy Bolander here. It is Monday, January 31st, and I am right on it this week with the podcast because I am emerging from the COVID cave. Yes. After two years of playing dodgeball with COVID, I got smacked right in the face, middle of last week, bonk, and uh, it was rough for about a day and a half. And then it got easier, just exhaustion. You know, you're like, I think I'm going to pick up that pen. And then you pick up that pen and you go, "What? why did I pick up this pen? What am I supposed to do with it? I don't know. It, it was, I lost some time. Let's just leave it at that. I lost some time, but I'm doing better. I'm doing better than I sound. I sound a little rough yet this morning, but I'm good. I'm good. All that to say, I didn't preach Sunday. Um, I was ready, I was ready to go and just... Uh, it was not the time. And so middle of the week, I called in a preaching stunt double. My dear friend, Dwayne Roberts, Dwayne and Jen have been longtime friends of ours. I would say go back to 2003. I think we met in the fall of 2003 and have just been very close ever since um, together at IHOP KC, Then they went on to Brazil. We went on to some other things. They went to Denver. They're back in Kansas City now. And so it was just great to have a friend to call and say, Hey, can you preach? I mean, I I know you can preach, but will you preach on Sunday? And it was so good. Uh, you have to understand something about me. I have zero fear of missing out. Like I just don't, there is always another big meeting. And so I'm just like, Oh, all right, missed it. I really, really missed being at this. I watched it online and uh, online is not like being there. Okay, it's a great tool. It's wonderful that we have it, but it is like sitting on the porch when you know there is pie in the kitchen and uh, you're not allowed in the kitchen. It just wasn't the same, but it was so good. Rachel Lowell, SAFA, Gutu were leading again and they were turned up to 11. I don't know what was going on there, but the worship was so good. Um, and I missed it. Let me encourage you if you are hanging out on the fringe, and you are, uh, I mean, if you got COVID, I'll give you a pass. But if you are just hanging out on the fringe and catching it online, just because you think it's easier, it is easier. It is also less. It really is. Sunday morning, get up, get in the car, go. Being there is, uh, is so much richer. And I say that with firsthand knowledge because I was not on Sunday. But even though I wasn't there, it was still awesome. Here you have it from Sunday morning at The Bridge, my personal preaching stunt double, Dwayne Roberts.
1: Um, I'm a little intimidated to start the way that my wife would start a meeting as well as the way that Randy, um, I have such respect for Randy's ability to communicate um, <laughs> him and I are very different. The most, one of the most, like probably the most embarrassing time in my life was I was on a a, a platform in front of a lot of people, like 10,000 people. And so I tried to be like my wife and start off just by telling a joke. And it was truly the most embarrassing, terrifying thing (laughs) of my life. I'm not joking. And so for the first 15 minutes of my message, I literally had to hold on to the podium just to keep myself stable. Uh, and just, so I'm not funny. And so it just, and, and I, I know it from that experience well. So um, truly, last Sunday afternoon's football game evening was the best football game I've ever seen in my life. I couldn't believe that game, it was just bizarre. So I'll make sure that you guys get get out of the here if you wanna go watch the game today. But I'm uh, just grateful. I have much love and much respect for Randy and Kelsey. Um, uh, Part of what I wanna talk to you about today is suffering trials, challenging seasons and give you a little bit of purpose as to why. And uh, actually Jennifer and I were just kind of in a, a really challenging spot a while ago and my friendship with Randy gave me great courage. I reached out to him a couple times and it was very, very helpful. And um, But that's what I want to I give you, just understanding to what, it, what do you do when it's hard? And why, why are you going through seasons where there's great challenge? And we don't talk about suffering much, but I believe suffering actually is a part of the Christian faith. And, and challenging seasons, whatever descriptions we want to use, there is great purpose in them. Um, Psalm 33 tells us that God in his sovereignty deals with each one of us as individuals. That's amazing what there's 8 billion people on the earth right now and he knows your thoughts before you do. And, and there's purpose in God's leadership over our lives and I'm not saying he instigates challenging seasons but he walks us through them in regards to his leadership and so I'm going to first, we're going to start in James 1, and then we're going to Hebrews 12. So James, the book of James, was written by the brother of Jesus. And we know um, from just a little bit of, uh, we get get this nuance that James actually had a significant struggle with the idea that his brother was God. And so um, in John chapter 7, we, we have a reference to the biological brothers of Jesus. And so I want to read this, uh, first five verses. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. James 7, verse 1. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacle was at hand, and his brothers, so this is his biological brothers, therefore said to him, depart from here and go into Judea. So they have just been We've just been told he didn't want to go there because they thought to kill him and his brothers go we think you should go to Judea that your disciples may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. So they're looking at their brother and they're thinking that he desires to be seen by men. And so they're prodding him. Why don't you go out and show us really who you are? So there's a wrestle. And there's, I mean, I would be exactly the same way. The sovereign son of God is my brother. That would be a wrestle for me to figure that out in the journey of understanding. For if you do these things, show yourself to the word, the world. Excuse me, verse five. For even his brothers did not believe in him. So the brothers of Jesus wrestled with who is this guy. So, um, just a spoiler alert: James actually becomes the bishop of the early church in Jerusalem. James, the brother of Jesus, becomes the pastor of the early church. So we know, though, that it was a struggle for him to figure out who is this man and and is he who he says he is. And we know in 1 Corinthians 15 that after the resurrection, one of the things that was in the heart of Jesus was go to his brother and to restore that relationship. So James had uh, a great journey to figure out, to wrestle with. Doubt, understanding who is this man. So I just want to give you that context that James went through a journey and a wrestle to understand who Jesus was. And so now when he addresses the Israelites, the nation of Israel, they know who he is in his journey. And so the very first thing that he launches into is um, in ver- now, James chapter 1, my brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So he's working, he's speaking from a place of authority. I've had some trials in my life, and I'm telling you there's purpose in them. And this letter is being written to the dispersed nation. The nation has been dispersed because of persecution. And so there are, there's real season of incredible trials for the nation. And the very first thing he writes in his letter, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces uh, patience. Another way of saying that, endurance and perseverance. So the testing of your faith, it's an intellectual belief into a living reality. That testing, it now becomes, it proves something of substance in our lives. And he goes, know that when you go into a season of hard times, it's to produce strength within you, knowing that. But let patience, let's perseverance have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It's the idea that there is a, a, a roadmap that is individually marked out for you to bring you to maturity. I'm going to show you in Hebrews 12, somebody's very committed to your life, and there's going to be a journey marked out for each one of us to bring us into maturity, perfect and complete. We're not going to, I don't ever, I don't believe in sinlessness, but we are going to mature. There will be oaks of righteousness in the body of Christ who stand with loving gaze on the eternal God, and they have been through it, and their root systems now have produced a people who will not be shaken. Maturity coming forth within them. Verse 5: If you lack, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally and without approach. I love our Father. He's so generous with giving us who he is. And there's no reproach. There's zero shame. The blood of Jesus truly is the most powerful force in our lives. And I will never be held accountable or judged for my sin after I've walked through repentance. I can come to him having done something incredibly foolish and look up in the place of repentance and find wisdom from my father. No doubt, excuse me, without reproach, and he will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And James goes, part of the purpose of testing is actually to remove the doubt that you have about the God you follow. So when I think testing, trials, they come really from two different sources, circumstance or people. So when you have really challenging circumstances or challenging relationships, that leave you in a place without stability, that leave you really vulnerable, that leaves you with not much to stand on. Your thoughts about God are going to be tested. Is he who he says he is? To where it goes from here to a living reality, I walk according to my belief systems on God because they've been tested. I have been on the way out on the limb, and I've been out there with no support system, and what I believed about God, now I believe about God because i was out there and nobody else was with me but he came to me and he showed me who he was the doubts i had were removed so i believe there's testing seasons of the lord and those testings often are to produce something of faith a substance a belief that i have been tested in my beliefs my faith of god and It's about maturity and strength coming to me. So I believe that many of the trials and seasons we go through, it is about testing. We know this from different places in the scriptures, that the Lord does look into the hearts and minds of men. He goes, I want to know what is in there. It, It might be small, but it's sincere faith and I'm going to bring it into maturity. He looks into our hearts. He wants to know, who, what do we think about him? What do we think about others? There's this God who sees into the hearts of men, and those whose hearts are set on him, he goes, that little bit of faith, that, that immature longing for me, I see where I'm going to take you, and I'm going to take you with purpose unto the place of maturity. That faith. So testing. Now, let's go over to Hebrews 12. I believe that challenging times also have purpose in the context of this word discipline. Hebrews chapter 12, um, this is going to be a profound statement, comes after Hebrews chapter 11. (laughs) So Hebrews chapter 11, we have just been told about the heroes in our faith. And if you want to go get clarity on testing, go read the story of the nation of Israel. You see men and women who have been called on by God. Often he gives you promise, it seems the way he likes to do things. And then he's, there's great delay unto the promise. And in that, I believe there is testing, and in that, there is correction. And so we've just read about them, and then the writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So he goes, I want you to lay aside the, 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 the weights that have been, been um, bogging you down. I want you to step out of your sin, and I want you to understand there's purpose for your life. And he goes, do it at a marathon pace, but I want you to run. And even just as I was reading that this morning, I think there are some people here this morning who are, are almost like, you know what, I'm just going to sit down. I want to check out a little bit, and I want this this message to encourage you today, to strengthen you today, to stay in this journey called life, this race that is set before us. And he says, "What you do is you look unto Jesus." I think there's 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 many meanings when we when we read the scriptures in regards to look unto Jesus. Look at the life of Jesus. I believe that's part of what the writer is saying here. And that's, and there's more in that. He says, but also I believe as a believer, in this journey, we set our eyes on worship and discovery of who our God is. We look on Jesus, and this is the place I am renewed. This is the place I find my life. This is the place when I look on him, that divine interaction between me and God that is the place where I can set my gaze and my hope. I understand there's been days where I've been in dark places, and to look up is extremely challenging. But the writer says, look unto Jesus. The next phrase, the author and finisher of our faith. I'm reading New King James. ESV says this, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. If you think you found God, that's not correct. The Holy Spirit found you. And he is more committed to you than you are committed to him. Just get that. And in his commitment to you, he is going to take you on a journey to look like his son. It's called discipleship. And if you will stay in the game, you will, be, you will go to this place of maturity of loving God and of loving people. To be, you know, as the, the older I get, the less, the less um, focused I am on my calling. My calling was my, my, my career. That was my thing in my 20s and my 30s. As I'm getting older, I am now focusing more on looking like my Savior. And, and in this journey, he's committed to you And there's going to be days where you're going to want to quit, but he is committed to you in this season. And there's purpose. I want to just keep on saying that. There's purpose in the journey. Next phrase. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. So weary and discouraged. Weary is you're tired. It's been a long time. This has been a long season. I am out on my own. The circumstances, the relational tension, this has been a long journey. I've been there. And then, this discouraged in your soul. Most people would think that our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. And so I am having a hard time intellectually to figure out what is going on. Where is this strife coming from? Where is this challenge coming from? So intellectually, I can't figure it out. And my emotions are getting tired. I no longer have joy. I feel pain in my emotions. I'm discouraged in my emotions. So my will, my ability to make right decisions is almost has no life in it anymore. That place where there's been true testing and it's, it's gotten me discouraged and tired. And the writer of Hebrews says, stay in the game. There's pain in this. Do not become weary or discouraged in your souls. Verse four, you have not resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. Verse five, and have you forgotten? Now, hard times, often there's a cloud. I've had two I would say, major seasons of challenge in my life so far. And there's this bewilderment. I don't understand what's going on. And so this cloud comes and fills us. But the writer says, Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons? Now, women, it's it's challenging to see yourself as a son of God. And guys, we're the bride of Christ, so don't rule yourself out. He goes, I want you to remember who you are. You you are children of the eternal father. Yes, you have a biological family. Oh, but there's something more powerful You've been purchased with the blood of Jesus. You've been adopted, Ephesians 1, you've been adopted. You now have a father. Your spirit, you will never die. You now have a father. And this father looks at you as children. So, the way the father, the God who has no beginning, the way he looks at you, he looks at you like a father. He sees who you are. He's the one that knit you in your mother's womb. He's the one that knew you before the foundation of the world. He looks at you with all the heart that we know in, we, in, in, in a very weak way of a biological father. He is the sovereign one, and he is a father. And when he looks at you, he looks at you as children. So have you forgotten this? And then this phrase, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. So I, one way of looking at this is that in the testing, those things that need to be corrected in my life, the father takes me on a journey. And he's quoting here, first of all, this is a little bit discouraging, but actually the writer, I think, is, is quoting the book of Job. And if we're really honest, we don't like the book of Job. But we actually need to talk about God the Father and how he brings us into maturity. And he says, do not despise chastening. Here's what chastening means in the, from the Greek. The act of providing guidance for responsible living, upbringing, training, and instruction. And then it says, chiefly, it is attained by discipline. So this chastening is not from the place of rage or anger. Some fathers today discipline because of out of the place of anger. Our father, who's kind, who's patient, Who's gentle. He brings us and allows us to go through seasons because of love. And he does it with purpose. It's not out of anger. He's not quick tempered. No, he's unbelievably patient. He knows our frames. But in his correction, he does correct, but it's with purpose. He does challenge, but it's with purpose. Do not despise the chastening, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. My, my wife, I don't know if you know her testimony, but she, uh, her house, the house she was raised in, they were just flat out crazy. Um, five older brothers. Um, her, her mom partied with Janis Joplin, like literally. Um, uh, Her brothers, no joke, it wins every game all the time. Her brothers were babysat one weekend by Charles Manson. So I'm talking crazy times 10, like just insanity. And you know what my wife did one time? Her friends phoned her, wanted to go out on a Friday night. And she said, uh, no. I can't go out, Um, I'm on restriction. I'm being disciplined and it wasn't true. See, there was so much freedom in my wife's home, you know, that they just said do whatever you want and my wife Jennifer was longing to be corrected so she made it up. I'm on restriction, I can't go out tonight. You see, when we are corrected, with love, it actually brings us security. It reinforces our identity before the Lord. When you understand what's taking place, it actually is not to, to, to belittle you, it's actually to strengthen you. It's to reinforce who you are. So when don't be discouraged when rebuked by him. Listen to this, verse six, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And he scourges every son whom he receives. And so actually, correction is a form, is an outworking an expression actually of desire for you. And you need to actually find comfort in being corrected because it reinforces who you are before the Trinity. It's powerful if you can get this, the correct understanding If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there among you whom his father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all of you have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. So he says, the writer says, when you endure, when you go through the chastening, And you look up the father actually reveals himself to you at a whole nother level you get the the, the heart of the father but if you don't endure it he goes you miss out on actually being the revelation of the father and I find this interesting because there are individuals that are in a deep process, a, a horrible pit, a challenging season, and they jump out prematurely. They try to save themselves. And what I, what I hear the writer saying here is actually endure it. So I forgive those who have hurt me. I don't lie, I don't save myself. I I walk through this with biblical wisdom in a time of great testing, in a time of chastening. Instead of jumping out of the circumstances, I set my eyes on God and ask him to remove the doubt and help me forgive. Stay in it, because if you stay in it, it has much purpose. I love this. Ah, let's just keep reading. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who have corrected us and paid, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be subjected to the Father of the Spirit and live? For for they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. He goes, I'm doing this for your profit, that purity and maturity would come to you. Verse 11, now no chasing seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. It hurts, it's hard, it hurts. And I I don't, I don't wanna just wash over that. There, if you have given your life to Jesus and somebody told you life, your best life now, don't listen to those people. I'm not one that wants to get you depressed, but I want to be real. There is going to be great testing. There's going to be great challenge. But in this, there's great profit and purpose in it. It's going to be painful. Afterward, it yields peaceable fruit of righteousness to those, this is the phrase, who have been trained by it. I'm telling you, we're going to have scars. We're going to have scars but scars can actually be beautiful i have a couple and i actually look back at those scars and i can i can say in honesty thank you for in it i found great riches in it i found you and in you know specifically in the area of relationship I'm not telling you just to sweep it under the carpet. I'm not telling you to walk out biblical restoration process. You have to deal with the challenges. But then there's you and God. I have actually great, I mean, I just was re- restored to a relationship on Monday this, of this week. Somebody caused me real problems. And t- on Monday, we had a call I worked the process out with that person, and I am so thankful and happy. It was like, we, it was amazing. We prayed for each other. I, I'm positive we're going to have a, a healthy relationship. But, but then there's also, between me and the Father, what is this about and where are you taking me? Let's keep reading. Therefore, strengthen the, the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather healed so that what is lame may not continue to be dislocated so even in the chastening it's an opportunity for deep healing and correct thinking so I um, uh, so Jennifer and I moved here in 98 to Kansas City from Europe. we had spent 10 years in Europe. And and so we lived in Kansas City for 15 years. Um, And then had no desire, (laughs) but like to go back international living, it wasn't on my radar at the time. And God clearly spoke that we were to move to Brazil. It was undeniable, we moved to Brazil for uh, six years and um, the Lord truly spoke that we were to come back to the States. And so we took over, um, we took a a church for for two years and then we just have relocated back to Kansas City. And I have had in that journey, I've been in ministry as a minister and, and as a missionary for 30, just over 30 years. And in that, I've had two significant trials of testing. And then I've had one season that was just unbelievably hard work, just hard, hard work. And so in some ways, um, a guy was trying to encourage me. He's a friend of mine. He's a little bit older than me. And he said, Dwayne, you've done this, you've done this, and you've done this and he was trying to encourage me and he goes, I know men that would have done one of those things and lived off the resume the rest of their lives. He came and visited us, he goes, what you did in Brazil was amazing and then you walked away from it. And he goes, these three things, this, this is what every minister's goal is and you've walked away from them all. And he was trying to encourage me. And you know what I heard him say? You know what I heard? It took me three times for the Lord to finally pin me on the mat to crucify my flesh. It took three times. And that last time was really hard, super painful, false accusation that was at another level. It was really, really painful. And I was just left, I don't understand. I was so confused. I reached out to an older friend of mine. Um, and I and I, I don't even know him super well, this, 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 this gentleman I reached out to. And there's just been those times where I would run into him and he would often have the word of the Lord for me. And so I reached out to him and I said, um, hey, can we talk? He says, let's talk in two days. I said, okay. And uh, so I, uh, we FaceTime and it's, early in the morning, and, and he looks like he's been on a bender. He just looks like he's been <laughs> drinking all night. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. His hair was messed up and just didn't look good. And, uh, and he says, uh, I've been praying for you most of the night. And I'm just like, just, I mean, I started crying. And he said, uh, tell me what's going on. So I told him the circumstances and he said, the Lord, the only thing I heard the Lord say is, you thought you were ready, but he says you're not. And then he told me, I want you to go study the cross and study the Desert Fathers. And you see, if I was smart enough to understand, that's the father saying, I, I see areas I need to bring correction to in your life. I love you. I love you too much, so I need to help you. That's called crucifying the flesh. There's just purpose in the challenge. And so through that, um, these false accusations, they, their conclusion was to the situation that I was the problem, and so they, they told me I needed to go to counseling. And um, and I said, "Okay, I'll go." <laughs> um, and they were actually incredibly generous. They were—they were, they were going to pay for it all. I said, "I'll go." Um, and so, in my heart, I said to the Lord, "I disagree with these accusations, but if you have something you want to address in me, I just bring it up in this counseling." And so, in the in the first session of this of this of my counseling I had a a woman who understood international living and missions and um, and so she wanted to hear my story so I'm telling her my story and I said I'm a fairly driven individual and I, 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 I thought she just like I saw a reaction when I said I'm driven and so I brought it up in the second session I said it was like when I said the word driven you it was like a cuss word to you and she goes no, actually being driven is not a bad thing, but I would like to help you understand why you are driven. So I said, um, so I, I mean, that made sense to me. So um, six weeks in, she uh, she says to me, Dwayne, <clears throat> um, you've told me that It was 32, you were 32 years old when you first heard somebody with specifics affirm your gift and and what you were good at. And she says, do you know that's trauma? And I'm like, what? That's not trauma. Like I, and she, she would not move on until I agreed that was trauma. And I'm, and I was like, my wife's journey is traumatic. I mean, abuse in the home, that's trauma. And she goes, no. And so I'm, I'm disagreeing with her. It's not trauma. And she goes, from, from the womb, affirmation is essential to the development of an individual. Aff- affirming who you are needs to come at every stage of maturity and growth. Affirmation is essential to the development And when you don't have affirmation, you grow crooked. And she goes, you're never going to find rest. You're going to hit one mountain, you'll climb it. And then you're going to go on to the next one and you will, you'll never rest. She goes, you don't even care what others think. It's about proving to yourself who you are because nobody affirmed who you are. And it was like a light bulb went off. I was just like, oh my gosh. And so I'm thankful that I have maturity in my understanding, in interacting with my Bible. And so I took my Bible, my wife and I, Jennifer. So December 28th, we started together to pray every day together using the Bible. And I took the scriptures and I focused on God in my confusion, and in my pain. And I looked up to him, and I began to, with a a deeper level of clarity, pray the Psalms, those Psalms of David, when he was completely lost in his chastening journey. I would have lost hope unless I believed in the goodness of God in the land of the living that is a man who's writing from a deep place of bewilderment and despair. I would have lost hope. And I, I, I could associate, I could feel where he was writing from. And I began to set my focus on that in my interaction with, with the Lord. And in my chastening, in my, that false accusation that came against me, it took me to a very broken, weak place. And I think actually there's incredible power in bringing weak and broken. And for me, what the father was about was actually to show me who he was. When I first came to Kansas City, I had never heard teaching on Jesus like I had when I first got here. And I would say basically for the last two years, little bit two decades i have related to god mostly through the beauty of jesus changed my life absolutely changed my life and in this last season this last couple year and a half it is like within the context of the trinity the father has come to me and i feel like in many ways it was that what it was with jesus it is now with the revelation of the father where Jesus voluntarily went alone to the the wilderness, the lonely place to be with the Father. God had to get me in pain to get me to the lonely place where the Father could come visit me. And all of a sudden, the revelation of God as my Father is blowing my mind. You see, but I had false concepts In my soul, I had wrong thinking about myself. I didn't even understand my identity as a son. And I believe that it was through the chastening, the brokenness, where I could get before him. Things were highlighted, and I could allow truth to come now and correct the way that I thought about myself, but more the way I thought about God. And I now have deep belief that there are only certain things about God that you can find, and they're in pain. They're in challenge, they're in discouragement. It's in those seasons that if we will look unto Jesus, and it's in those seasons, if we will look unto our God, that we can actually, actually have great purpose in the journey. Our God, our Father, He is so kind. He's so gentle. This is who he is. But he's your father. And he sees who you are. And even though you want to slow down, you want to quit, he goes, no, I'm committed to you. And I'm inviting you to stay in the race. Stay in the game. Go deeper in me. Go deeper in me. Let's let's go to that place. So... I, I, I don't have a huge vision to retire, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to slow down. But in regards to my faith, I will never slow down. I will never slow down. It's a marathon race, and I have set my eyes on the knowledge of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want to engage at every season of my life connected to my vision of knowing my God and the aspects of the Trinity coming forth. And and I think a significant reason for the journey is removing doubt and wrong concepts about God. You were born into sin. Sin. This is who we are. We're born into sin. And from the very first moments you began to perceive things, lies have come against us. Lies that have filled us. Accusations about God and about ourselves. We know that Satan stands before the Father accusing. Revelation uh, 10. He stands there accusing, lying. And we are filled assaulted with the lies of the enemy. And in through this season, through the journey, it is about the lies, the doubts about the knowledge of God being dismantled and truth filling our hearts and minds. And then through the process, the truths now become living revelations. This is where the scars have purpose. The journey, the relational challenges, the painful things people say, we work them through unto, ah, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. I love my God and He loves me. And so this morning, I'm just gonna finish, I'm gonna pray Aaron's blessing over us this morning. And this was the, the blessing that the Lord told Aaron to pray over the nation because I believe even they, they understood we are assaulted by the enemy's lies. And I'm just gonna have them sing. And, and if you wanna stand, if you're in that place where just, um, there's, there's, there's you're in a season just of struggle, I just, want you, let's just, I just want you to stand up. Lift your eyes up. Look on the Lord. Look on Him, and that divine grace and help would come. So Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. Just let's set our hearts on the Lord. I'm going to pray this over you, and then we're going to uh, just sing this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you. And be gracious to you the Lord will lift his countenance upon you and give you peace so they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them so today father I'm asking you for every one of us in this room we just look up to you today our father You know the circumstances everyone in this room is in. Oh, give us clarity and understanding of who you are. We give you permission to come to us and even correct us, Lord, for we know that we are loved by you. So come to us even now as we worship, we set our hearts on you.